Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Story time. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One morning I woke up and noticed my camera was on top of the sofa opposite my bed. I knew I didn't put it there because it was a very expensive camera and it could very easily fall from this place. I had placed it in my cabinet. I went over picked it up, and turned it on and clicked the button to view photos. There were hundreds of photos of me sleeping, all seemingly taken from the back of the sofa. I was literally so freaked out, I couldn't stop crying. I lived alone. It was just photo after photo of me sleeping. The photos were taken in quick snap, where the camera takes approximately one photo per second. I later realized the camera didn't even have a quick snap setting so technically it was impossible for the camera to take the photos at all. 
The timestamps suggest all photos were taken between 2 and 3 a.m. I've never figured out WTF happened, how the camera got to the sofa, or how it is even possible for a camera with no quick snap to quick snap, but I still have a USB with the photos on it and it still freaks me the F out. Edit, to answer a few questions. I am safe. This happened several years ago. I now live with my partner and we have several dogs and a very good home security system. There was no sign of forced entry to my home I own the home, and I had the locks changed when I moved there because I felt uneasy about living alone, good hunch. I did go to the police. They did not give a shit. They said it's probably a friend playing a prank. My mom had a key to the house weirdly this thread has actually jogged my memory about something potentially related I had completely forgotten about that was sitting deep, deep down in my memory bank. Approximately 12 months before the camera incident I received a letter in my P.O. box that was typed, not handwritten, and addressed directly to me saying if I did not agree to meet with the sender, they would kill me while I sleep. To be honest, I dead set thought it was a stupid joke because I couldn't think of anybody that would want me to meet with them and I've been the letter and never told anybody. I got three or four of those threatening letters demanding that I respond but no actual way of responding or no hint about who it was from. The sender wrote like I should know who it is but I did not. One letter did provide a time and place to meet but of course I did not attend. That was the final letter. I did move house and change my postal address shortly after the camera incident though. I am alive right now, so obviously they are all talk, no action. I never believed in Bigfoot. Not in a million years. I mean, I'm a rational man. A practical man. I deal in facts and figures, not wild speculation or folklore. So when my wife and I decided to take a weekend trip to Opal Butte, a county park campground near Hepner, I didn't give the legend of the Sasquatch a second thought. We were there to collect rocks, my wife and I. It was a hobby we both enjoyed, a way to get out into nature and find hidden treasures. We had our car and a trailer, and we had stopped at the campground to set up for the night. That's when it happened. I was outside, checking the hitch on the trailer, when I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. I turned to look, and there it was. A creature, unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was standing behind the front of the car, peering at us with its big, brown eyes. Its head was pointed, like a cone, and it was covered in shaggy, matted fur. At first, I thought it was some sort of prank, a person in a suit or a mask. But the more I looked, the more I realized that this was no man. This was something else entirely. The creature would stick its head up and look at us, then hide again behind the car. It was almost like it was playing a game, teasing us, daring us to come closer. And then it would disappear, up a bank or behind a tree, as if it had never been there at all. I tried to take a picture with my phone, but it was too dark, and the creature moved too quickly. My wife saw it too, but she wouldn't let me get my rifle. She said it was probably just a bear, or a large dog, and we didn't want to hurt an innocent animal. But I knew better. I knew that this was something else entirely. Something that shouldn't exist. I wanted to investigate, to find out what it was and where it came from. 
But my wife was scared, and she begged me to stay inside the trailer. We spent a restless night, my wife and I, listening to the sounds of the forest and wondering what was out there, watching us. In the morning, we packed up and left, without ever seeing the creature again. But I couldn't get it out of my head. The way it moved, the way it looked at us. It was like nothing I had ever seen before, and it defied all logic and reason. I started to research, to read about Bigfoot and other cryptids. And the more I learned, the more convinced I became that what we had seen was real. I know it sounds crazy. I know that people will laugh and scoff at me. But I don't care. I saw something that I can't explain, something that challenges everything I thought I knew about the world. And it's out there, somewhere, waiting for the next person to stumble upon it. Maybe it's a monster, maybe it's a figment of our imagination. But I know one thing for sure. I'll never forget that night at Opal Butte, and the creature that changed my life forever. It was April 16, 2012. I live near Spokane, Washington. I was returning home at about 4 am when just off to the left of my driveway something stood up in the field and looked at me. When it saw me stop, get out, and look in its direction it then ran or squirmed across the street into the trees. At first, I thought a deer, but it was upright and running in a weird way, like an octopus. I think I saw it dragging one tentacle. It then went from tree to tree like it was circling me. So I walked very quickly to the house making sure not to take my eyes off of it. When it was going from tree to tree it would stop at that tree and peek at me from one side or the other then move to the next tree and do the same thing at each tree. So when I went in the house I grabbed a flashlight to see if it was a person. Mind you I live in the country so I don't really think someone was sleeping in my field and dragged their sleeping bag across the street. Another thing that helps me know it was not human was when I shined my flashlight on it its eye shined green, not red like a human would. After I saw the eye color I went back into the house waiting for it to try to get in or peek in my window so I laid on my couch looking, waiting, and listening. Nothing happened, so I just tried to go to sleep and get over it. By this time I was in denial and thought okay it was a deer. The next morning I thought about what I saw and walked out to the field where I saw it. There was nothing but I remembered what it looked like it was upright and a light shade of blue which could have been from the moonlight. It was really skinny and tall with a teardrop shaped head that kind of just formed into the body, no shoulders, and long arms that looked like tentacles. But that's all I remember and now I can say it was flat out the scariest moment I have ever been through. I have seen ghosts and UFOs but nothing like that. It still scares me just thinking about it to this day. Just a week or two before my event there were reports of strange lights over one of my city's neighborhoods that were on the news the next day or the day after. I didn't think twice about this because I was in denial about what I saw until like two weeks after it all happened. I started realizing that it could be possible that I actually saw an alien putting the two events together. I had been a park ranger for over two decades, patrolling the vast wilderness of the national park. I had seen my fair share of strange things in the woods, but nothing could have prepared me for what was about to happen. It all started a few weeks ago, on a particularly dark and stormy night. 
I was out on my regular patrol, checking on the various campsites and trails, when I heard something in the distance. At first, it sounded like nothing more than the wind whistling through the trees. But as I got closer, I realized that it was something else entirely. The sound was like a whisper, barely audible at first, but growing louder as I approached. I strained to hear what was being said, but it was just gibberish, a jumble of words that made no sense. Still, the hair on the back of my neck stood on end, and I quickened my pace, eager to get out of the darkness and back into the light. That should have been the end of it, a harmless and fleeting encounter with the unknown. But it wasn't. In the days that followed, I began to experience more and more strange phenomena. I saw things moving in the corner of my eye, heard footsteps where there was no one to be seen, and even caught glimpses of a shadowy figure darting through the trees. At first, I tried to rationalize it all away, blaming it on stress or fatigue. But as the incidents became more frequent and more terrifying, I began to suspect that something else was at play. Something beyond my understanding or control. Then, one night, it happened. I was out on patrol, walking through a particularly dense and overgrown section of the park, when I felt a sudden, intense pain in my side. I doubled over, gasping for breath, and realized that something had attacked me. But what? I looked around wildly, but there was nothing there, nothing but the trees and the darkness. I stumbled forward, trying to get away, but my legs gave out and I fell to the ground. Everything went black. When I woke up, I was alone in the woods, with no memory of what had happened. My side was throbbing with pain, but there was no sign of any wound or injury. For a moment, I wondered if it had all been some sort of nightmare, a hallucination brought on by stress and exhaustion. But then I saw the footprints, deep and jagged in the dirt. They were like no animal tracks I had ever seen before, too big and too strange to belong to any creature of this world. And that's when I knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I was being hunted by something beyond my understanding. I tried to leave the park, to get as far away from that place as possible, but it was no use. The creature was always there, lurking in the shadows, waiting for its chance to strike. I knew that my time was running out, that I was living on borrowed time. And then, one day, it happened. The creature attacked me again, this time with a ferocity and intensity that I had never seen before. I fought back with all my strength, but it was no use. In the end, I was overwhelmed, and I fell to the ground, my body battered and broken. I had always been an adventurous soul, and nothing excited me more than the thought of a solo backpacking trip. So, when the opportunity arose for me to take a trip to the Wemenush wilderness, I jumped at the chance. Little did I know that my decision would lead me down a dark and terrifying path. The first few days of my trip were relatively uneventful. I hiked for miles, taking in the stunning views and immersing myself in the tranquility of nature. But as the days went by, I began to feel like something wasn't quite right. It was as if someone was watching me, following me, but every time I turned around, there was no one there. Despite my growing unease, I continued on my journey, setting up camp each night and settling in for a well-deserved rest. 
But when I returned home and began going through my camera to find pictures to print, my world was turned upside down. As I scrolled through my photos, my heart stopped when I came across several pictures of myself sleeping inside my tent. The images were clear, and there was no denying that someone or something had taken them. My stomach churned as I realized that I was not alone in the wilderness, and the thought of what could have happened to me in my sleep sent shivers down my spine. I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched, and as the days went by, strange things began to happen. I would wake up in the middle of the night to find my tent unzipped, or my backpack moved to a different spot. I knew I wasn't imagining things, but I had no idea what to do. One night, as I lay in my tent, I heard footsteps outside. My heart pounded in my chest as I tried to remain as still and quiet as possible. But then, I heard a voice. It was low and guttural, and I couldn't make out what it was saying. It sounded like it was speaking in a language I had never heard before. Suddenly, the footsteps stopped, and I heard a scraping sound. I peered out of my tent to see a figure standing just outside. It was tall and slender, with long, thin arms and legs. Its eyes glowed in the darkness, and its skin was pale and almost translucent. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and I knew I had to get out of there. I scrambled out of my tent and ran as fast as I could, not daring to look back. I didn't stop until I reached my car, and even then, I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched. When I finally arrived home, I went to the police to report what had happened, but they didn't believe me. They said I was just imagining things, and that there was no evidence to support my claims. I was out chainsawing firewood while my wife sat in the cab of our truck, burping our baby and gazing down the road towards two other men who were cutting wood. Suddenly, a white Sasquatch caught my wife's attention. It emerged from the forest and stood at the edge of the road near the two men. After a moment, the creature turned around and limped back into the woods. My wife called out to me, but by the time I looked up, the Sasquatch was gone. The two men who had been cutting would toss their chainsaw on their truck and drove off, warning us to stay away. They described the creature as having pink skin and blue eyes, standing around seven feet tall, and possessing a big mouth. They even left their cut wood behind in their haste to leave. I decided to investigate and went to the spot on the road where my wife had seen the Sasquatch. After some difficulty, I found and followed its footprints through the forest duff. In a few places, the creature's feet had slid under the duff and imprinted themselves on the soil, allowing me to make plaster casts of a right and a left foot. The left foot was an enormous 15 inches long, but the right foot was different. It appeared to have an amputated big toe with a swollen or bunion stump. The other toes also seemed displaced from their normal positions, with the second toe possibly taking on the role of the missing big toe. As I examined the prints, I couldn't help but wonder what kind of creature I was dealing with. Time, 5 p.m. Nearest town, Silverton on the outskirts of the Cascades small logging roads and mountain creek. Heavy forest area, steep hillsides in areas with some open spaces due to logging. About 25 to 35 miles southeast from Silverton. 
I was out hunting with my dad, and he had put me on a post. I had been there for about one and half hour when I saw what I thought to be a deer. It turned out to be an elk. After about two minutes the elk took off fast. I then heard faint footsteps off in the distance. The footsteps were not loud. I was watching to see what it was, thinking it was another hunter, that's when I think I saw a Bigfoot. This animal looked to be at least 8 feet tall I never saw any legs because of the bushes in the way, but I did see one arm. The arm looked like they could be 3 quarters the length of the animal. I went back to the same area 2 days later and saw what looked like just the front half of a footprint. It was a shallow footprint. I went back that afternoon to take a mold of it, so people wouldn't think I was nuts, but the print was gone. I still don't know what I saw but I know it was nothing I had seen before or since. The description of the creature, it was dark brown maybe lighter. About 8 feet tall, long arm I would guess about 3 quarters the length of the animal. It was a fast moving animal. I notified a friend and a so-called Bigfoot investigator named Enos about a year ago. He said he was a teacher at a Mount Angel, small town next to Silverton, school. He claims that he has heard Bigfoot in the same area. I was born on the evening of June 24, 1975, in New York City, one month prematurely while my parents were there visiting my mother's family in various East Coast locations from our home in St. Louis, Missouri. In 2015, a friend of mine took me to New Orleans for a few days prior to my birthday as a gift. We had a great time and had tickets to fly home in the early afternoon on my birthday. The flight out of Louis Armstrong Airport was uneventful except for two things. The first was an older guy sitting beside us who kept looking our way. He had what I can only describe as a gentle smile on his face. I didn't feel creeped out so much, but it was just weird to have him spend so much time looking our way in silence. The next thing was when we started to descend for landing. The plane started to shake and jolt terribly. My buddy and I looked at each other with that OF expression. I glanced past my friend and caught the eye of the man sitting across the aisle. He was looking straight at me, with that grin still on his face. He leaned out from his seat toward ours and said very calmly, in a firm tone, this one will land just fine. Then turned his head and looked forward. That gentle smile never left his face. From there the ride got really rough, but the plane landed just fine. The pilot came on the intercom and quickly explained that it was some pretty bad wind shear, gave us a weather update, and thanked us for flying. Everyone on the plane was so stressed I swear I could smell the fear. As we got our carry-ons out of the overheads I made a point to not even glance at that dude, but I could feel him looking at me. We got off and hustled our butts out of there. Nobody was saying a word. We were all still freaking out. Here is where it gets creepy. Last year I was reading about air disasters. That experience stuck with me and I developed a bit of an obsession. One day I came across the story of Eastern Airlines Flight 66. The flight left New Orleans in the early afternoon on June 24, 1975, en route to JFK in New York City. The plane crashed on the descent due to severe wind shear killing 113 people, just hours before I was born, 40 years to the day from my flight with the man and his gentle grin. 
Ori had a couple of episodes in 1996. He was mushroom picking with Chris, a science teacher, and was walking along the Abaqua Ridge, the sky blue, and about noon. He was tapping trees periodically, two or three taps as he went. Then he noticed 150 yards off another mushroom hunter, which as it came closer, turned into a tall lean six half or seven foot Bigfoot coming his way. It kept coming until 75 to 100 feet away. It was a deep dark red from head to toe, walking in a crouched position, and swinging its arms in an exaggerated fashion. He yelled at it and it turned and went back over the ridge. The teacher didn't see it. Any questions, etc., Ori would prefer you send through me, as he doesn't want to be bothered. Also, some of his areas of study he just wants me to refer to as Abaqua or Malala area, as he's still actively investigating them. I don't know, if this was an alien sighting, or if it even counts as one, but it's something I experienced several years ago, and just shrugged it off, not thinking that I could be involved in something like this. It happened during the summer, 6 1998 at 16 in Tucson, Arizona, and my cousins and I were bored and so we decided to go see a movie. But before we left, I had to finish up a load of laundry. Now, our house is the middle house in a cul-de-sac, so when we open our garage door, it faces the cul-de-sac and the street that leads into it. Our washing machine and dryer are in there, so when we do the wash, we can see the outside world. After putting the clothes in the washer I open the door to the house, to go back inside. The door, that went open, automatically shuts close, real fast. Well, I open the door, and all of a sudden, my entire garage is flooded with a bright neon lime green light. I turn around and see that the entire neighborhood is flooded in this light. Everywhere I looked, everything was covered in this light, as if someone was holding a light, right over our cul-de-sac. I didn't see any object, but after about 10 seconds, of being in the light, this huge shadow came out of nowhere and then flew off to the western sky. And then there was this weird wind, like a suction, and the trees blew along with other debris, to the west and then stopped. The light flew off too, and everything turned back to normal. I turned around and started to walk back into the house. Now, all this time, the door has been opened. And if you recall, I told you that it was one of those sprung doors, that shut as quickly as it opened. Well, right then and there, the door shut, right over my left foot, ripping up the nail on my big toe. The drive said, the nail would never grow back, because the nerves had been lifted out, but it did, and to this day, my toe has a nail. Something, my doctor said was a miracle. I don't know what it was that happened that day, but I always thought, that it had something to do with an alien. So, I was wondering if you can shed some sort of information on this, and tell me if you have another experience such as this, recorded. It was elk season 20 to 21 October, about 6 PM, and on the upper Abaqua. Ori and two others were driving slowly along the north-south road, Ori in the passenger seat, when he saw a 12 to 15 foot creature walking, swinging its arms, crouched, walking in the same direction they were driving. 
It all of a sudden shot straight out very rapidly and was gone. It was black, very broad, and very stout, like a big tree. Asked how he knew the size, and Ori said he was a carpenter and a good judge of height. Later Ori took some very good tape recordings of the creatures. A barking, drawn out howl, similar to many other tapes I've heard, only a much better quality and no barking dogs. When I was maybe 14, my friend and I were walking the paths in the woods behind his house, and most of the year there was the lake, really just a big puddle, maybe 20 feet across, 5 feet deep, and more or less stagnant with a path that went around one edge of it with the path continuing on the other side. This particular day, we went that way, and the lake was empty and dry, not that it was full the previous day, maybe it was a drought or just the time of year or whatever, not the spook part. There was a yellow tent, all ripped up and only partially standing, with broken camping gear near it, Coleman lantern, camp stove, that sort of thing. Again, this was maybe 1,500 feet back in the woods in a medium-sized town in Massachusetts. The spooky part, was that, in front of the tent, there were symbols carved very, very precisely in the dirt. Of you've seen a dried place that's usually underwater, you know the sort of hard, smooth dirt that the mud dried into. The symbols weren't drawn, like with a stick. They were maybe an inch deep, and had sharp, clean edges like a trenching machine might dig, but an inch wide and an inch deep. A couple years later, I found myself a copy of the lesser, greater, key of Solomon, and I got chills. I didn't recognize any of the symbols in particular, but they were certainly in the same vein. Me and my stepsister liked to dick around in the woods by our house. We used to go down there a ton, not so much anymore. I remember about a year ago we completely lost a trail that we went on every time. Like literally we entered from the same spot and the woods just weren't the same. Another time we saw this sketchy looking shed in the middle of nowhere. Looked like it hadn't been touched in years. Had rope and a pickaxe in it. We also found this wooden gate after wandering somewhere we hadn't before, and upon looking for it again, could T find it anywhere. There's always creepy shit like dolls in there. I once went by myself and had a horrible feeling I was being watched by fairies. There was a mushroom circle nearby and a tree with a sparkling rope. Not to mention the weird noises we hear a ton, but just choose to ignore. Also went kayaking once and saw some dead animal in a cave, the water surrounding that area was crazy cold. There was also a paddle and pieces of a small ship nearby. We were out fishing and kayaking all day. When it got dark I said F it and just tossed my sleeping bag in my kayak and proceeded to snuggle into it. As it was sitting on the dock. Most nights I wake up in the night for some reason or another and this night was no different. I opened my eyes and looked up into the night sky because this lake is so dark you can see the Milky Way, except it wasn't there. There was a pterodactyly crane jersey dv chupacrabber looking some bitch standing over me like I'm a fat ass sardine stuck in the comfiest can ever snuggled into the goose down of his cousins. 
I honestly wanted to sit there and watch him as long as he didn't eat my eyeballs for a fourth meal appetizer, so I did. For a solid hour he just sat there looking over the water and I watched him. Also when I was little I got told a bunch of stories about tree hoppers, F that shit. During my third Philmont trek in 2003, we arrived at Miners Park and set up camp for the night. As we were hanging our bear bags and chatting with one of the staff members, we heard a deafening roar come from across the meadow on the other side of the camp. The staff member looked at us with an amused grin and said, Oh yeah, we have some mountain lions in the area. They've been here for at least a week, so be careful tonight, guys. That night, most of us struggled to get any sleep as it sounded like the mountain lions were all around us. Every little noise made us jump, and we kept a close eye on our surroundings throughout the night. It was a tense and unnerving experience, but we were relieved to make it through the night unscathed. I am a police officer in large city, there are housing projects in my sector that house low-income residents and also some suffering from mental health issues. There's an elderly Haitian woman who calls late at night and swears she can hear ghosts and voodoo spirits in her residence. The first time I showed up with my partner I told her I would go in and speak with the ghosts and close the bedroom for about 5 minutes, then opened it and she hesitantly entered with me. I told her I asked them to leave and they need her permission to come back. She celebrated and said she can no longer see them and thanked us. This woman is otherwise quite articulate and intelligent and always refuses medical help. She will call 911 periodically every 3 to 4 months for similar reasons and I'll go in with a water bottle with no label and go in and have her point the location where she saw them and I sprinkle some holy water in the area and she thanks us, and offers us food. We always politely decline and exit the residence. I was a caregiver in a retirement home for six months at the beginning of the pandemic. We had one patient, let's call them Robert, that was mute so when they called us because they needed something, of course we would just hang up and go to their rooms. I had been on vacation for a week and my co-workers and I didn't have the chance to go over what had happened while I was away. We had 24 patients for two caregivers so we would split the unit in half. 12 residents for each caregiver and we would help the other if needed. So, the first shift after my vacation, I was taking care of Robert's unit. Few minutes after I arrived, I got a call from Robert's room. So, I hang up, finish with my current patient and Kami walk to the room. When I arrived, the door was locked which was really unusual since Robert usually leaves the door open. I knock, unlock the door and open it. To my surprise, the room was pitch black except the television that was turned on. It took me a few minutes to realize that Roberts wasn't in the room. So, I called my co-worker and asked have you seen Roberts? And that- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's when they told me, oh, yeah, hum, he passed away two days ago. All right, weird, but not the first time that our system glitches like that and we get a phone call in empty room. I go on with my shift, like nothing happened. I had left the door open. When I was helping another patient walk to the kitchen, when we passed Robert's room, they said hi Robert, I thought you were at the hospital. Welcome back. I was 100% convinced that the room was hunted now. We would get a call from that room a few times a week until Robert's was buried and after that, nothing else happened in that room. We've also had another patient calling us because there was Mike sitting in his chair every night. Mike was the name of the patient that passed away in that room. They had never met. My brother and I have this campsite about two hours drive out of the eastern side of Melbourne, Australia. A quick run on a Friday night after work to a really, really secluded spot up a logging trail off the main road. The road is good enough for a standard car to handle and on many occasions a whole convoy of us would make the trip up for the weekend. This is a really quiet spot, and it would be extremely rare to even have another car come up the road. Other people would use the same spot from time to time however. You would see the remains of old campfires and occasionally rubbish left behind. But then one time, we found a couple of graves. New ones. Two plots side by side, maybe 10 meters away from what you would call the main thoroughfare. About 7 foot by 3 feet wide. All the sod had been carefully picked up and then put back in over the top, but there was no mistaking what they looked like. So we started digging with the small camp spade we had. The ground had most definitely been dug up. We dug down maybe 2 feet on one hole and gave up I guess made a stop by the police station in town on the way home. They went digging, but I don't know if they found anything. They left mounds of dirt up there so they went looking. Perfect spot to make someone disappear up there if you wander 50 yards out of the main camp you are in some thick, thick bush. Only way to move around is to follow a wombat trail. When I was 19 a group of friends and I drove to Vancouver Island for a camping trip with one of our friends family. The campsite that we went to was on a beautiful crystal clear lake and was on the edge of a forest. And about 50 feet away was a nice little sandy cove. My buddies and I set up some logs so we could sit and talk while we blazed a little bit at about 15 feet away from the tree line. It was late one night and my four friends and I were sitting around smoking just bullshitting and we heard a twig snap like in the movies. We all kind of froze so I grabbed my flashlight from my backpack and shone it on the trees. 
At first I didn't see anything but I took two steps to my right and I saw these two glowing yellow eyes just staring back at me. I told my friends what I was seeing and we all just kind of froze. I was freaked out so I bent down and picked up a big rock. Just in case, after a couple second we got out of there as fast as we could and back to the campsite. That night I slept with my axe real close. The next morning we went out to our spot and saw bare prints in the sand all over where we had been chilling. Seeing those eyes still has to be the creepiest things I've ever seen. It was just another day at work when I heard the news about my old co-worker's passing. He had always talked about going to Mexico for vacation, but for some reason or another, he never got around to it. It was a shock to hear that he had been in a car accident and had died. It felt like a punch to the gut. The fire safety company we worked for decided to send his family a gift, and a few of us decided to attend his memorial to pay our respects. It was a somber occasion and we all left feeling heavy-hearted. A few days later, some of us were hanging out in the office, shooting the breeze. One of the guys was watching the GPS tracking for the work vans, just to make sure no one was slacking off. Suddenly, he let out a gasp, and we all turned to look at the computer screen. There it was, clear as day. The recently passed co-worker's van was shown as driving over the Gulf of Mexico, heading straight for Mexico. We all stared at the screen in disbelief, then turned to look out the window at the parking lot. Sure enough, the van was still there, parked exactly where it had always been. We all exchanged nervous glances, not sure what to make of it. Was it some kind of glitch in the system? A sick joke? Or something else entirely? From that day on, no one wanted to drive that van. It sat in the parking lot, unused and untouched as if it was a cursed object. Marine stationed in Japan back in 2010-12. I was military police. One night around 2 to 3 am we hear over the radio a. Uh, any unit seeing the light over the water south? It was a marine air station based on the southern tip of Japan. We had no flights coming in or going out that night. Everyone knew there shouldn't be a light flying over the waters. So about three patrol cars met up at the airfield where there was a way better view. Sure as shit there's a light sitting out over the water blinking slowly off and on. Some guys tried to say it was a star, so we had traffic control cameras from dispatch zoom in on it. Turns out it was slowly moving out of the cameras. So while by AO we couldn't tell it was moving, the cameras picked it up. We sat there kind of amazed for an hour before it went away. As we were getting back into the squad car I took a last look at the night sky and saw a small light dart behind some clouds in a movement that didn't make sense. I didn't tell the other guys, just thought there's no way they would believe me. Months later I was running on the sea wall and stopped to lay down and catch my breath. Again saw a light, watched it drive into some clouds and then disappear. That was around the time of the tsunami and Fukushima. Super weird. I got called to persistent fire alarms being set off in a block of flats that used to be a poor house in the 1800s. 
The alarms would go off three to four times a night at certain times of the year. We arrive and residents are all outside saying they could hear a woman crying. No one wanted to go in as they assumed it was her that was setting the alarms off and she might be crazy. We went up, yep sure enough could hear a woman crying. Sounded like the stairwell. Up we went and walked, crying get louder, turn the landing and realized the sound was then below us. It was coming from the top step of the previous flight of stairs. Well I nearly shat myself. What made it worse was guess who has just bought a flat on the ground floor and was moving in the following week. Yup me. I used to bail through the front doors, past the staircase and into my flat like I was being chased by wolves. Not a responder, but lived next door to one who is very famous in our hometown for his alien abduction, but there are other stories, too. This all went down in the 80s, rural England, and my memory of the exact details are fuzzy, been a while since anyone has bothered discussing it, small hometown and everyone knows and is over it. The alien abduction story is that he was on the way back from a call out, saw some odd lights on the road ahead and had to stop, a one-track road. He went to investigate the lights as any good police officer does, and next thing he knows it's a half hour later and he's back in his car seat, car facing the other way, some odd substance on him, no lights to be seen. The police dispatch also confirmed that his radio frequency just disappeared for that half hour. The substance was tested and didn't match any known profile, I really have no idea what that really means or what tests were. At around the same time, this officer and some others were called out by a farmer whose cows had disappeared. Yes, very stereotypical cows in a tractor beam story. But the farmer reported them missing, multiple police show up, gate is locked and no cows. They all decide to drive around looking for the cows. The paranormal magnet officer reports that thing where you keep trying to drive somewhere but always end up back where you were when it shouldn't be possible on his route but they all convene back at the field at the end of shift. The cows are back, though none of the officers found them and nobody called in to find them. And remember, paranormal officer has seemingly been driving past the field on a loop all night. The farmer was also unaware when they called to ask him. Totally sounds like the farmer pulled a prank, except it was raining that night and there was loads of wet mud building at the edge of the field where the gate is, and not footprints or hoof prints, and the cows were dry, too. The last story I have the vaguest recollection of, I think it happened some years earlier and the paranormal officer was called to the discovery site. It is mostly about a different guy, a farmhand who was an immigrant who disappeared without a trace and then appeared several days later and miles away, dead, with burns and another unidentifiable substance all over his body, dumped at the top of a pile of coal. Again, no sign of anyone climbing up the very precarious pile of coal. And no sightings of this farmhand getting from the farm to a different town, one road, and he didn't seem to be on it at any point. He was in the same clothes but appeared to have undressed then been redressed by someone else. Autopsy couldn't find a cause of death, it wasn't the burns, and he was like, barely dead, no rigor mortis, when discovered. Edit. Should probably add that the official answer to the farmhand death was spontaneous ball lightning, itself a weird theory, 
and it doesn't explain most of the situation. I am not saying aliens but everyone at home is mildly convinced of the aliens. My dad used to work at a military fortress. He wasn't serving or anything but his company such that it was was based there and as such they had custodial duties to the base. One occasion I remember him going on about was around New Year one year and he was working quite late so it was dark when he left. To be honest I think it was only around 7 pm but the sun sets at like 3.30 pm in that part of the world in winter. On the drive home he realized he'd forgotten his phone so he turned around to go and get it he parked up and walked through the glassy, over the drawbridge and through the arch which brought him into the main square from where his office was visible on the top floor of the block on the right. He noticed then that the light was still on in one of the end rooms of the office. I recall it was some kind of store room. It was odd he thought because he'd been the last one out and had locked up so his first thought was that he'd locked someone in. When he got up there though the lights were all off and nobody was about. He received his phone in quick order and left in a little more than a hurry. There were other happenings too which didn't involve my dad. On one occasion his boss came in one morning to complaints from the night cleaner accusing him of peeking at him from behind doors and hiding giggling and flicking lights on and off which was obviously a surprise because he'd been at home all night. The army occupied other floors in the block, and other blocks on the camp, and often complained about loud parties from the office which never happened plus soldiers regularly. I had just finished my initial military training, basic, eight, a few other classes, and got sent to my first duty station. My unit was at NTC for pre-deployment training so I met up with the rear echelon. I get issued my room and spent three very disturbed days nights in the barracks with weird stuff happening like gear not where I left it, locked drawers being opened, the microwave turning on by itself. Shit like that. My roommate who I knew throughout training showed up on the fourth day and I told him something along the lines of, watch your shit. Someone's been messing with my stuff and I don't know who. So the fourth night comes around and myself and my roommate secure our room and gear and go to bed. Gotta be up at 5.30 for PT so it's an early night. We lock all our stuff and go to bed. I woke up around 1 cause my blanket had fallen to the ground and I was cold which was weird cause we were in the south in summer so it's always hot. I hop down to get my blanket and I notice my armoire is open so I open the lock, close it, lock it, and get back to bed. I fell back asleep pretty easy, but I woke up again at about 2.30 and all my stuff and my roommate's stuff is thrown around the room. I wake up my roommate and he's pissed cause someone is messing with us and can't figure out who it is. We clean it up lock our stuff and go back to bed. I woke up a third time at 3.37 and we're not alone. I can hear my roommate snoring so I know it's not him. I sat up and saw someone in the little kitchenette area with the fridge open looking in it. I was freezing again. I was about to say something as the soldier turned around. My eyes had a moment to adjust to the bright light and then I started recognizing gear like the L-shaped flashlight on his shoulder, his Alice pack with magazine holders and canteens, boots and fatigues this dude was combat ready. As my eyes reached his face he turned a bit and I could see it. Half his head and helmet were gone. 
blown off by the looks of it. I'm scared shitless at this point. He closed the fridge, walked across the room keeping his bright green eyes on, opened my front door and walked out. As he exited he turned back around and said to me, be safe. I didn't sleep the rest of the night. I didn't wake my roommate up. I just sat up in bed for about two hours till I had to get ready for PT. 6.30 rolls around so everyone is outside the barracks in formation getting ready to start PT and the acting first sergeant says, hey, Notches, you good? Looks like you seen a ghost. I replied with, negative, I'm fine, one SG good to go. About halfway through PT he comes up to me and asks me what's wrong because I'm visibly shaken up. I told him I was fine just couldn't sleep last night. A few others asked if I was okay and I just lied and said I was fine. I really wasn't and they could see that, but they let me be. After PT ended the acting 1SG pulled me to the side and told me to, speak freely, openly, and with all confidentiality and off the record, what is wrong? I told him that if I told him what happened he would think I'm batshit crazy. He assured me it was off record and once again said, talk to me. You seriously look like you've seen a ghost. That got an awkward chuckle out of me and I began to tell him my story and when I got to the part about his head the acting 1SG lost his shit. Who the F put you up to this? This is not funny etc. He smoked me for about 30 minutes, made me do push-ups, mountain climbers, stuff like that, all while yelling at me that I'm a piece of shit. Finally after about 30 minutes of that he says, look at me in the eye and swear on everything that you love that you're not lying to me. I told him I was not lying. It happened. So he says follow me so I do. We get to the command office which I had never been in and they were obviously locked. He takes me behind three locked doors and three rooms I had never stepped foot in and when he opened the last door I saw it. It gave me chills. It still gives me chills, but plain as day there's the soldier's portrait behind the commander's desk. I froze and said, that's him. Acting 1SG, the guy who assigned me that room, told me who it was. He was a corporal in the unit on my unit's first deployment to Iraq and he died in an IED attack that took off part of his head. I was the first soldier to be assigned that room since it belonged to the deceased corporal. He forgave me and I forgave him and he told me some stories about who this guy was. I deployed with that unit just a couple months later and spent 12 months fighting in that shithole. I nearly died I don't know how many times, my vehicle got hit with IEDs and rockets and it always made me think of that corporal. I survived more things than most people can image and I always felt like that corporal was keeping an eye out for me. Not everyone in my unit was as lucky as me. Three from my company didn't get to come home. Graveyard shift security at a hotel casino. We got called to the top floor of the hotel because people from the floor below were calling in noise complaints. I was the FNG so I had a trainer with me when we went up. Dispatch told us over the radio that there was nobody registered on that floor, so cool, just a few idiots being idiots. We got up there and every single door on the entire floor was wide open. Anyone who has been to these hotels knows that you can't just accidentally leave the doors open because they close by themselves. They weren't propped open or anything, just open. 
We asked dispatch if engineering was doing any work up here or had anything going on during the day. After a few minutes they told us they called engineering and they said no. We just noped out at that point and said there was nobody up there. My sister has been a nurse for about eight years in Southern and now Northern California. Worked in hospitals, med surge, tele, ICU, dialysis centers, and now a hospice nurse. She has a few stories from the hospital, things like children laughing, shadows, patients claiming they saw another dead patient when they had never met. One of the creepiest that she and the other nurses told me was about a patient complaining and scared that something was under their bed. He was older and confused so they didn't think much of it. Checked on him, responded to the multiple calls, and just tried to make him feel better. The next day, a new patient went into that room, another older person but not confused, and called to complain about something under his bed. They sort of brushed it off again after checking. The next night, a new patient in his 20s and completely coherent called crying that something kept running under his bed. They checked and found nothing but the patient was in such distress and shaking, they moved him. Happened quite a few other times as well. They never found anything but that was so creepy to me. Not sure if this is paranormal or not, but we live together now and she works as a hospice nurse. Every so often, she would scream or it'd hear her struggle or make weird noises in the middle of the night. I'd go to check and she'd tell me it was sleep paralysis and explain what happened, that she saw a specific patient in her episode standing over her and growling, crying, or screaming. Always a very scary dream. The next day, that patient would die. Happened about 13 times so far. Trips me out. Unarmed security for a residential building here. This is extremely tame compared to some of the other stories here but this is a pretty salient subject, and I have evidence. My site has a rooftop pool and it's really one of the only major things the management gets anal about when it's supposed to be closed. On a chilly night not too long ago I was posted up in the rooftop stairwell staying warm when I hear a crescendoing fit of laughter that goes to the point where the laugher is gasping and choking. Kind of weird but not a big deal considering the people throw parties and whatnot all the time and I could tell it wasn't close enough to be someone horsing around in the pool. Then I just start hearing a bunch of shrieking, and the source of the noise is moving around. At this point I step out, and I realize it's coming from the rooftop itself, locked up and only accessible by non-security by scaling a concrete wall. The noise stops and I try to start zeroing from where exactly on this dark slippery, cold-ass roof the noises were coming from. Then I see some footprints on the roof that were not there before. Barefoot prints with no heel print, tiptoeing. Footprints that are dirtier than the surface of the roof itself. Noped my way right back inside because it was an hour before clock out I'd much rather have something paranormal than a meth head on the roof running around with no shoes. I had just finished up a long day of studying at the university library and was finally back home, ready to catch some rest. As I was getting into my bed, I heard something strange outside my house. At first, 
I thought it was just a group of teenagers partying down the street, but the sounds were too bizarre for that. I peered through my window and saw nothing but darkness. But the sounds continued, and they seemed to be getting closer. I grabbed a flashlight and stepped outside to investigate. As I walked down the driveway, I could hear the singing, gibberish talking, and laughter more clearly. It was coming from the nearby forest, and it sounded like it was moving further away from me as I approached. I'm a wildlife major, so I know the sounds of the local animals, and this wasn't any of them. It sounded more like some kind of gathering or party, but I couldn't see anything through the thick trees. I walked deeper into the woods, the sounds getting louder and clearer with every step. It was like they were drawing me in. But the closer I got, the further away they seemed to be. It was like some kind of strange game. After what felt like hours of chasing the sounds, I realized that I had no idea where I was. The trees looked different, and the path I had taken seemed to have disappeared. Suddenly, the sound stopped, and there was an eerie silence. I tried to turn back towards my house, but I couldn't find my way. I was lost in the dark, with no sense of direction. And then, I saw something moving in the distance. It was a figure, a silhouette against the trees. It was dancing, twirling around in circles, and laughing in that strange gibberish language. I called out, asking for help, but the figure just kept dancing. It was like it didn't even hear me. It was almost as if it was taunting me, playing some kind of game. I stumbled backwards, trying to get away from the strange figure, but I couldn't. It was like I was trapped in some kind of nightmare. Finally, I fell backwards and hit my head on a rock. I must have blacked out because when I woke up, I was back in my bed. I couldn't remember anything after hitting my head. But when I went through the pictures on my phone, I found several of myself sleeping inside my tent, and they were taken on the night of the strange sounds. I still have no idea what happened to me that night, but I know one thing for sure, I won't be venturing into the woods again anytime soon. Just before 6am on a general health care of the elderly ward, two staff nurses, one auxiliary and me, a student. Four bays but one was closed and just had the usual ward junk stored in it, OBS machines, drip stands, transfer equipment, spare bed tables, etc. Two nurses are in the bay setting up the morning IVs and I'm in the other bay doing 6am B Ms. auxiliary goes off to get an OBS machine. He comes into the bay with the weirdest look on his face. When I'm done with the blood glucose check I'm in the middle of, he says in an undertone, come and look at this. He leads me into the empty bay. There are wet footprints on the floor, starting halfway across the room. Now I know what you're thinking, he did it himself, or it was a wandering patient. That's what I'm tempted to think, too. Except the footprints went under a table and stopped at the window. No return footprints, no little jiggle like someone had put on shoes while standing on one foot, just straight up to the window. And they were small, and the auxiliary was a big bloke. Now, there's a chance it was one of the patients from a side room who snuck by us, went into the closed bay with the sign saying no entry, somehow wet their feet, walked to the window and put their shoes back on, and then carefully moved the table over it but it honestly seems rather far-fetched. <laughs>
Almost all of the patients on that ward had limited mobility and about half wouldn't have had the capacity to do such a complicated chain of events, either. Definitely gave us all the shutters and we were happy when the early shift came in. EMT here. One of my partners told me a story about an old fire station that used to be in use. He and his partner at the time were sleeping in the bunks and it's pitch black for them. This fire station kinda looked like the one in Ghostbusters, so I'd say that the building dated back to the 60s. Anyways, there's no one else in the station except for them. Their mini fridge in the room cracked and someone screamed Bishop. I'm not in the mood and then the fridge slowly closed. Another one of my partners said that they had a situation that it was at a similar time around the top. All of the firefighters were sound asleep. Sometimes in our bays, garage slash main doors to station, we keep the back doors to our ambulances closed. At that time my partner stated that they heard a loud thump, want to go inspect what happened, and they found the back doors open to the truck and their equipment, jump bag, on the floor. My coworker used to be a security guard for the forensic mental health unit nearby, it used to be a mental asylum and was renowned for treating its patients horribly. There's a graveyard nearby with over 200 unmarked graves for bodies they exhumed on the old asylum grounds. A lot of people would try to sneak into the old abounded buildings and my coworker and his partner would get deployed to tell them to piss off or to check it out to make sure no one was there and he said very regularly he would feel spirits, see unexplained movement and hear screaming, especially in the treatment and intake rooms. I'm not very spiritual but I totally believe him, that place has a lot of sad history behind it. I live on the back of an old mental asylum and there is a covered over burial site not far from my house. I came across the burial plot plans with all the names of everyone buried there once and why they had been committed. It's amazing the reasons. Some were just pregnant out of wedlock, or menopausal or even defiant of their husbands. These people spent over 40 years condemned to an insane asylum and died there never actually having any mental illness. Very sad. I was in the army but this story seems right for here. We were on a night patrol close to this weird place up in the hills didn't make us feel good inside but couldn't tell why. During this patrol one of our squads started reporting movement. When we all got to their position they all looked like sheets. The CO of the squad was holding one end of the radio with it being connected and to this day everyone in that squad swears that they heard a girl's voice through that radio. About three miles down the hill was a village that we'd visited before and we had children watch us move to that position before but we couldn't find anyone during that night that wasn't one of us. I was working night shifts as a security guard from 11pm to 6am in a two-story office building that had probably 50 to 80 workers all in cubicles during the day. It was only myself there during the night. I was stationed at the front door where their switchboard desk is and I do a patrol of the entire building every 2-3 hours. I always heard weird thuds and people walking. I even checked to see if I was right, 
Usually I'd hear something around 3.15 am. I ended up getting used to it since nothing was ever there. The weirdest thing that happened was on my third patrol roughly around 3.30 am. As I walked on the second story I noticed some of the ceiling tiles were gone and two of the roof hatches were completely opened, I didn't notice any of this on my earlier patrols. When I told morning staff they had no idea why. Later I talked to the other guard who used to work there for years, older gentleman and religious, Hess also noticed many weird things but he didn't want to talk about it. Other things have happened such as computer screens coming on. Coffee machines turning on randomly. Radios randomly turning on. Couple times I'd sworn things were moved because it looked different from earlier patrols. It was an easy gig but I'm sure the place was haunted by something. Edit, to clarify about the roof entrances more. The building did have side ladders, that are locked. Maybe if someone was crazy enough to scale them he could get access. The roof entrances were only in the housekeeping rooms and could only be opened from the inside. The door was a double-sided badge to unlock. Each door had a camera on it also and I checked said cameras without seeing anything. 